What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. Welcome you all to a new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 50.1. And we are continuing our playthrough of The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, it's been about a month since we last had our recording. Um, but that's okay. We're, we, we had plenty of time to play a lot of it. Um, but yeah, we're going to be, we're going to keep going on that. Uh, I do have, uh, Matt Quinn with me. Hello. Schedules have been tough. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been kind of crazy. Like it's, you know, we talked about it before the show, but yeah, it's both of us have had some pretty hellacious months, but, um, but we are, we're still powering through it. We're going to make it, we're going to have, a. We're going to have a new episode of Trails of Cold Steel. Um, the last thing I remember we talked about was we were at the end of Chapter 1. Um, and I think in our field study, um, we were going to where we thought that they took all the merchandise that was stolen from the um, the two uh, merchants. They were trying to get them to fight over each other. Um, and when we, we got to the, it's essentially a dungeon. Um, when we got to that dungeon and got to the end of it, there was the, um, it wasn't, it, I guess it was mercenaries. Um, there was some guys who, who had been hiding out in the park where they stole all the merchandise. They were going to keep it there until, you know, things blew over. So, um, that's. That's basically what happened at the end of chapter one. Uh, we got into a boss fight with them, uh, beat them, uh, and then another boss showed up, which, get used to that because that's going to happen a lot. Um, but then, uh, afterwards, uh, the, uh, Imperial Guards, uh, the, the, the guards, I can't remember what they're called, um, but the guards who, um, are predominant for like uh Usus's family. Yep. Uh they show up and are gonna arrest us because they you know they they were always against us when we were talking to the merchants and stuff like that and it was like this big setup. They were trying to start some hostilities. They're the uh the provincial army, right? The provincial army, there you go. Um and they're they're getting ready to arrest us when a, another person shows up. Uh, it's a woman and, uh, her crew, uh, it's the woman named Claire Revilt. Uh, she is, uh, one of the captains of the trained military police. So, um, there is a military police that has to do with the trains and railroads. And since this area is, you know, access through trains and stuff like that, um, she shows up and, uh, stops them. And uh, decides to uh, let us go. And uh, tells the other guys to show off. Um, and I believe, I'm not, if I'm, if I, I may be mistaken, but I believe Claire says she knows our instructor, Sarah. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah. Um, and so she, she kind of like lets us go. And that's pretty much the end of the chapter. Um, we go back to uh, Trista, 
to uh and and it kind of jumps ahead a month so the next month um we get ready for our next free day where we help out the um the student council um and we also have our um preliminary exam it's like a like a like a a combat training exam where we have to have a boss fight against a training dummy that Sarah has yeah, these training dummies, I see them, they're all pretty easy so far. Yeah, well, they, normally what she does is she'll give you a condition, like make sure nobody gets KO'd, you know, this battle, yeah. or, you know, don't use arts this battle, um, stuff like that. So um, and what you do is you get AP, uh, the AP points are what basically what rank you better. So completing quests and requests and stuff like that, for um for when you're on a field study or when during your free day for the student council you'll get AP points that increase your rank and you will get kind of like special items for for hitting certain ranks and stuff like that. So um but yeah um going into chapter two I like it's going to be hard for me to remember everything but I'm trying to remember as much as I can. Uh but yeah going into chapter two um uh, we have. Our free day where we can hang out with our friends and increase our bonds with, with our friends and stuff like that. Uh, some hostilities are still going on between Machias and Eusus. Uh, uh, um, Machias still hating the uh, the nobles and all they stand for. Um, and Eusus just being an, an, a dick, pretty much. Hmm. Um, but after our test where we fight the dummy we get our details on the next uh field study and where we're going once again the class is going to be split up into groups uh and our group uh for chapter two uh, it consists of machias usus um fee was with us and i think laura was that it was Laura in chapter two? It might not have been Laura. In fact, it may be uh, Emma, I think, was with us. Yeah, Emma was with us. Yeah, maybe Emma. That so, sounds, yeah. sounds more right. Yeah, Fee, Emma, Eusis, Machias, and then Reen, um, who went to this one. Uh, and we were going to go to basically the capital of the empire, um, which is Eusis' hometown. That's where he, he comes from. Um, and for the life of me, I can't remember what the name of this place is. Celtic? No, it went, no, that was the first. Uh, that was the first town. Um, Lorna? No. Hang on a second. I got to bring up that fact. Because I know where I know, like for the life of me, I just can't think of it. Because we spend a lot of time here. Um, I know horrible radio, but it's been a month, so everybody's going to bear with me. <laughs> I can't remember half of this. Yeah, I mean, I got to say though that this uh, th- this part of the game is sort of where this sort of structural malaise is, is coming for me. The whole idea of 
do your free day, then do your field study day, day one, then do your field study day, day two, fight a boss, go to the next chapter, here's your free day. I got. I, I'm not disliking the game, but it, it, it's wearing on me at the moment. Something something needs to change by the next chapter. Okay. Uh, well, here's my thing about that: is that I feel like I'm getting into a groove. Do you? Yeah. Because uh, I feel like I'm getting out of a groove. Oh. Uh, the the town that we were in is called Berea Hard. Um. Makes sense since it's Eustace Alberea. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this is a pretty big town or it's a city. Basically it's, it's, it is the, um, basically the, uh, the capital of the empire, um, where a lot of, uh, laws are made, uh, a lot of nobles live here, stuff like that. But there's also a lot of, uh, commoners as well. But yeah, uh, we get, um, greeted by Eusus's, um, brother shows up uh and uh he uses is still very cold to everybody right now at this point and um when he sees his brother he kind of you can tell he him and his brother get along really well and his brother is actually a really friendly guy um you know he 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 knows everybody who who was coming to the field study in fact he was the one who chose the requests he was the one that gave us our requests. Um, and he, um, everybody, everybody's in with, with the Academy, you know, everywhere we go, everything is clearly, clearly pre-planned. It's not just, uh, you know, here's your assignment, go carry out the assignment. There's a lot of, a lot of buy-in, you know, there's some talk about different people being on like the board of directors and, and people like his brother sort of helping to make these decisions. Yeah. I almost feel like the whole Academy is sort of a, not a sham, but it's sort of, there's other reasons it exists. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of convenient how, where we go, it seems like people already know us when we show up there. Um, And on top of that, everything's kind of pre-planned and it usually is because we're going there for a field study. And obviously the, the, the Academy is in talks with whoever is in that town that they're sending us to. But usually something occurs during our field studies that was unexpected kind of thing. Um, so yeah, uh, we get a little dialogue with, uh, Yusuf's brother. They seem to be very close. He's a very friendly guy. Uh, and kind of find out he's actually on the board of directors for the, uh, for the school. So there, I think there's four board of directors or maybe three. I can't remember. Um, there's four. Thanks, so. Okay. Um, and so yeah, he, but, uh, we can obviously tell that, that Yusuf and, and him get along very well. Um, to which, uh, after he leaves, his dad comes pulling up in a limo and, uh, his dad barely says anything to him, um, and doesn't introduce himself, doesn't talk to any of the classmates and stuff like that. And Eusis is, you know, he, he obviously pissed off about it because he's, he feels like he, 
it's very disrespectful and his dad doesn't he feel I think he feels like his dad doesn't really care about him. Yeah, I think so. And that's where we start seeing, especially in this chapter, Eusis uh kind of coming coming out with how he really feels about everything. Um uh, and along with uh Machias as well. So Yeah, I did start to like Eusis in this chapter. I did too. Uh, Machius is still slightly annoying. Um, no, I, I I hate Machius. He's just a try. He, he's a try hard so bad. You know, he just tries so hard to be a, a douchebag. Yeah, I feel like he's the guy. The all the problems that he has in life are his own fault. Yeah, <laughs> all the picking fights with people. He's always he's got a chip on his shoulder. Like you know, it, it's his fault, dude. I just want to be like, dude, calm down. Nobody. Nobody else cares about any of this stuff as much as you do. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, he uh, he he gets on my nerves sometimes. Um. But yeah, he uh. So this entire field study, him and Eustace have been going at it constantly, and it's usually Machias starting it. You know, something will be said, and then Machias will be like, "Well, at least I'm not this filthy fucking noble," you know. And then he looks over at Eustace. Eustace is like, "The fuck's your problem, man?" You know. And it's, yeah. it's, 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 that's basically the interaction. If only he didn't have that nice shotgun, I'd never have to see Machias again. I'd never I, choose him for anything. Yeah, I know. Um, because at the current moment, I don't have anything that does strike damage. <laughs> Everything else is slash or pierce. Um, but yeah, um, so here we, we actually get a little bit more of the gameplay. Uh, we can actually switch characters in and out during battle. So a lot like Final Fantasy X in that manner. Um, we can just basically, and at any given time, like it, you can only do it once per turn, but you can totally switch out any party member, active party member, for a party member that's not active right now. You can only have four party members active. Um, but that's it, it. Actually, adds a lot to the dynamic, especially in the the next chapter. Yeah, quite a bit, actually. Yeah, because um, characters are starting to learn their um, S crafts, which are their super moves, basically. So, here's what I have to explain, and I don't know if I explained it in the first episode. Um, you have three bars in the battle. You have your health bar, obviously, with your hit points. You have your, um, basically, your magic points, which I think is with the AP bar, uh, which is your arts bar. Um, and then you have your CP bar, which is your craft points. And crafts are different from magic. See, magic, it usually takes uh, a, a while to, it, like, it may take somebody may take their turn while you're charging up a magic move, right? To shoot like lightning at somebody or shoot a fire bolt at somebody. Um, crafts are an instant thing. And most of them have to do with positioning on the, on the battlefield itself. So, uh, Reen has an ability called arc slash where he basically slashes his sword and it, and an energy beam comes out and hits everything in a directional line where he's aiming. So anything in that path is going to get hit. Um, and characters are starting to learn their special moves with their super move, which is the, the S craft. The S craft requires your AP bar to be at least 100. So, um, a character gains CP. 
their craft points by attacking and getting hit by attacks. Um, so basically usage in battle. And that stuff carries over. So after a battle, you go into another battle and start at 50. You know, I had 50 CP. I still have 50 at the next battle. Um, and it actually can overcharge. So all your crafts require like 30 CP or 50 CP, depending on how strong the ability is. But the super ones require 100, but it can overcharge up to 200. And if you can save it until you get to 200, your super attack does even more damage. So when coming into boss fights, I strategically keep my characters at 200 CP. So that way I can do their ultimate attacks right away at the beginning of the battle and knock most of their hit points down for a boss fight. Yep. On top of that, switching characters in and out who can also use their super attacks. So that way they're not getting hit, they're not getting damaged, and they're not using their CP for anything and just have them there as a extra special attack. Uh, so there's a lot of strategy involved when it comes to that stuff. And, and that that to me, I use crafts a ton more than I use arts. To me, arts are really there for the enemy's too far away for me to hit with a melee attack or... Well, I looked and saw that they're they're really vulnerable to fire damage, so I'll use a fire attack. And it's usually for characters that aren't very good at physical attacks. Yeah, all things being equal, I like crafts much better, except that CP is what I'm usually trying to save, like as you mentioned, to build up towards the, the S crafts. Right. So because of that, I end up using arts more just because I'm trying to save CP. Exactly. That's that's my thing. Most of the time, what I have, what I try to do is buff up all my characters at the beginning of the battle. So like, Reen has that motivate see uh, a craft that he can do, which gives everybody like plus higher attack uh, value for like four turns. I use yeah. that immediately and just just starts like slamming them with physical attacks. Yeah, is, and, that, is it that has the uh, the speed up? I use that one every time I can too. Yeah, the um. And that, that's one of the great things about this game. And, and again, this is one of the very few games I've seen that ha- actually does this. You can put status effects on bosses, which you never can do in any other JRPG, it seems like. You know, I have, I have characters who can put enemies to sleep, but you can't put a boss to sleep because they're immune to all the status effects. It's like that in every fucking RPG, not yeah. in this game. In this game, you can totally put that boss to fucking sleep, and he loses a fucking turn because of it. And that yeah. is that's fantastic. That's funny. I just assumed you couldn't, so I never even tried. Dude, no. You can huh. all the status effects. You can you can uh, make them faint, which is basically when they have the stars over their head and they can't move. And every attack they do, every attack you do against them is a critical hit. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there's cr- there's so many status effects. You can freeze guys so they can't move. You can uh, stun them to where they they can't move, but they can still use like magic attacks if they need to. But they can't attack actually. You can poison them. You can uh, f- burn them to make them take damage over time. Tons of status effects. They all work on bosses, and that's that's one of the cool things. And so it's it feels weird because it it like 
in a sense, it feels a little bit like how Final Fantasy 13 played out, where it feels more like a passive game than it is an active game. Um, so like in 13, Final Fantasy 13, you were basically just queuing up things for different types of situations. And it's the same way with this. So I'm going to buff up my defense for four turns. All right. And then I see that, and it has down there at the bottom of the screen, their characters, oh, they have, you know, uh, DF up and it has a four there. And once I see it goes down to two or something like that, I use that ability again. So it's all this like management with your buffs and managements with your debuffs. That that is like the most crucial thing about this game is managing your buffs and debuffs. And like that to me, that's fantastic. More than it is just oh, let's just you know go all out for them and just oh, let's see what their weakness is and stuff like that. Instead, it's all about like all right, I just need to make sure I'm healed up. Like Elliot, his little resounding beat. Where yep. they heal each other, they heal themselves over time after they take a turn is fucking useful as hell. Yeah. That is fantastic. I use that at the beginning of every battle. Unfortunately, the next two chapters, we don't have Elliot. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, I remember the good old days when I could use Elliot. Yeah, no. 20 hours ago. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we're in, um, God, where, where are we doing? We were, uh, we get our tasks. Um, we run into a, a very strange man who, uh, he helps us out because we're doing a task where we have to find the gemstone because a guy's wanting to make a wedding ring. And the guy yep. says, Oh, I know exactly where it's at. And he's like this really weird, flamboyant and, and pompous guy. Um, and he's like, oh, it's, it's it's over here in the the basically a dungeon area in the woods. And uh, we go get it and bring it back, and then another guy shows up, and he he actually buys the gem off the guy who was making the ring, and then he eats it. It's not a gem; it's like a it's like sap. Yeah. Um, that he ate, and he said it had medicinal properties, and everybody's like. Okay, well, I mean, you still got money. You can make another ring. To me, that that entire thing was weird. But that guy who helped us out, the pompous kind of flamboyant guy, he shows up again later on. And I have a feeling he's like a secretly a character that will be revealed at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, But we also learn a few other things. Um, they kind of, everybody has kind of like a realization toward the end of this chapter, um, after doing a bunch of the stuff in the field study quests and stuff like that. Um, basically we have to go fight a, a giant monster because that happens in every request. Uh, and, um, uh, Machias and, uh, Usus want to form a, a, a combat link together because everybody's been able to form one except those two because, well, they're, they hate each other. Um, so during this boss fight, they want to form a combat link. They break it and the boss, we, we beat the boss, but then the boss is able to come back. Reen jumps in the way while the two are arguing and gets, uh, injured. Uh, we see Fee jump on top of the monster and kill it really easily. And, um, then Emma, uh, decides she, she, she works her magic. 
uh, and that's another thing that's, that's kind of revealed to the player, but not to the, any of the characters, is that there's something up with Emma. Emma, who is a very intelligent, she's one of the most, she's the smartest girl, smartest student at the, um, at Thor's military academy. Um, and she's always been very reserved, but very friendly, very nice person. Um, she has some type of strange magical ability that she is keeping from people. So she actually heals Reen to the point where he doesn't even hurt anymore. He had like what? a he had like a hardcore like slash or something like that. So my my question is, doesn't isn't her normal ability to heal? I mean, yeah, she, she uh, that every time we go on a quest, she heals people. So why is there something I'm not getting that this is a different type of magic? This is maybe it's something they don't know. Maybe well, she's she, people every single day. Now she heals somebody, and it's a big secret. I, well, I if you remember, they're using the Arcus their their Arcus um, gear to use arts, magic abilities, and stuff like that. Maybe she can use magic without the use of Arcus. Yeah, that, that's true. That could be it. Plus, her healing abilities that she can do secretly are ten times better than than any art that we can use. So like like he had a slash in his shoulder and it healed within like ten minutes after she touched it. And she's like playing it off like, oh I had some herbs that my grandmother gave me or some shit like that. And he's like, well I have to thank your grandmother when we get back, you know, kind of thing. And it, she's obviously lying to us because she's trying to keep this a secret. And and later on she actually unlock, unlocks a door using magic. She's like, oh, I think I can pick this lock. And then actually we see like a, a magic glow and then it unlocks immediately. She has to say like a magic word or something like that to make this stuff happen. Um, but yeah. Um, so uh, Machius and Eustace are still at each other's throats. Um and then we get to the, kind of like what's going on as far as the, um, what the big, you know, the, the, the secret thing that's happened. Um, what ends up happening is, is that Eusus gets summoned by his father to come to their, their mansion, uh, for unknown reasons. So the next day of the field study, Eusus is not in our party because, well, he went, he went home to see what his dad wanted. Um, so we continue on with the field study and we have to travel to a, um, it's kind of like a military base out in, out in the countryside. Um, and when we get there, um, the, we're, we're just, we have business there. It's like doing a request or something like that. Uh, but on our way back, we hear some commotion going on. Uh, and apparently there was an intruder at the base. Um, and we actually see the intruder leave. And it looks like a little girl on riding on one of those mechanical robot things that Sarah has us fight for our tests. And we're like, okay, well, that was weird because it's flying away, so they can't catch it. Um, when we get back into town... Here come the Imperial Guards again, the Provisional Army. And they surround us, 
and arrest Machias. Yeah, just him. Just him. Nobody else. Nobody likes that guy. And so we're like, what the hell? You, you, we, we've done nothing. And uh, they take him to the dungeon. To the, to, <laughs> they put him in a paddy wagon and, and throw, <laughs> throw him in jail. And the whole time we're like, if Eustace was here, he could have totally said, hey, I'm like the fucking king's – one of the like the four great king's sons. Uh, just fucking get out of here. Um, but we don't have Eustace here because he's with his dad. Well, so now we have to play a little bit more sleuthing um, to figure out what the hell are we going to do to get Machias out. We then come to the conclusion we're going to have to sneak in there and break his ass out. Because what is basically happening here is that Yusus Alborea, his father, along with his regime, is feeling one way about a conflict. And there's another side of that of the same team that feels another way about a conflict. So they're they're the empire is at a stalemate with a with a neighboring country and nobody wants to fight each other um so uh the empire's kind of split a lot of the nobles want to want to start the war they you know they want to build up the military more build up um uh weapons and stuff like that Eusus's dad is on that side machius his dad and the more commoner rulers are wanting to kind of demilitarize a bit, you know, try to keep the peace. And this entire conflict within this empire is kind of tearing everybody apart. And what they're doing is, is that the, the noble side of this argument is trying to use these different events to basically spark a war. Um, so, you know, uh, the first chapter, they were like the the provisional army was raising the taxes on the townspeople, and they're like, "Well, if you don't like it, why don't you give in to our demands?" You know, kind of thing. You know, why don't you guys stop supporting the douchebags who want peace? Kind of thing. And this is all happening within the same country. It's not like. They're they're blackmailing another country. This is this their own kingdom they're fighting against. Um to 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 figure out what they want to do with the neighboring country. And so that's what they've done here. They tried to do another bargaining thing. Uh basically, well, we've got your son and we got him in jail, and if you want him out, well, you're gonna have to agree with us that we should start building an army to fight off this country. Um, and they basically kind of kidnapped Machias as well as Eusus because Eusus was taken, you know, he thought he was going to his home to see his dad. His dad's not even there. They're just kind of holding him there. So, so that they could do this deed. So we're kind of stuck in the middle in between these two factions arguing over the future of the empire. So we decide we're just going to bust Machias out. So we go through the waterway, which is where Emma unlocks the door with her with her mind or whatever, her magic. 
Um, and then we go into the waterway to where we can possibly sneak into the prison to get Machias out. Uh, which we do. Um, one thing I will mention about this dungeon, I kind of liked how it was because it was basically like moving platforms and trying to figure out which way to go. Yeah. It was never really a real maze. It was just like, you know, well, I can't go that way. I got to go this way. But it was like a big, long way around kind of thing. Yeah. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I kind of liked it. Another thing I thought was interesting in this chapter was, you know, maybe I was reading too much into it, but it seemed like some of the quest names were a bit anachronistic, a bit out of place. So there was a, you got to put a ring on it or put a ring on it. Uh Uh-huh. Like, okay, is that a is that a reference to a song? Maybe uh, not. But then, like, there was a quest, like two quests later, called "Addicted to Bath Salts." <laughs> the, a minute, is that a reference to? I, to I some modern events. I'm like, wait a minute, "Addicted I, to Bath Salts." I'm pretty sure because later on, like in chapter three, I'm seeing some of those too. I think these are just kind of like in jokes <laughs> of yeah, like. Like, it's never addressed in the game that this is some kind of humor. Yeah. It's just, it, that's the name of the quest. You know, it, yeah. It, but, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of dumb, but I've, I've noticed that. Um, It's like, I don't know. Like there, was, there was a, what was that mission? There was a mission in Chinatown Wars, in uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars, where you actually dressed up as one of those Chinese dragons and went through town, and it was called Dragon Hall Z. So I was like, this is, it's like, I get that reference. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, but yeah, that, that is kind of weird. I did notice that myself. I was like addicted to bath salts. I'm like, first off, I mean, that's kind of a bad joke, you know? Also, secondly, that happened like fucking five years ago. <laughs> yeah. When they, not, not, yeah. So I don't know. I was like, ah, right, whatever. Um, but yeah, so we go through the waterway, we reach Machias in the prison and we bust him out. Um, uh, along the way, before we get to Machias, we actually run into Eustace. Eustace actually escaped from his father's mansion and was like, I know what's going on. They're using me and Machias to, you know, to fuel their bitterness. And we're like, yeah, we already know this stuff. Just come with us. So we go, uh, we get Machias, uh, we get chased down by the provisional army, uh, stop some of them. And then they sick their dogs on us. Uh, and this boss fight, which is against these two gigantic hounds, uh, was the first time I had actually died in the game. I, I died here. And then it gives you the option of retrying the battle, weakening the monsters, and then retrying the battle, or going back to the main menu. I retried the battle, failed again, then weaken the monsters and try it again. And then I beat them. To which, after that, I decided to say, I have no problem weakening the monsters and retrying. Yeah, I... So, everything you said about the combat is true. I really like the combat. Well, I am ill-equipped for any of these big boss fights. I've lost every single one. I expect to lose every single one. They're just... Like, a lot of these boss, the big boss fights, I'm dead before I get, like, my second attack. Um, so, I really like the combat in this game, but I'm terrible at it. 
Yeah. The the biggest thing about bosses is the um it's the fact that a lot of them have area of effects. Um, yeah, like laser beam attack. Oh yeah, that, I forgot about that. Going through the free day in the school, I got that's another aspect of this game I forgot. So during our free days while we're at school doing stuff for the student council, we have to um, go back to the old schoolhouse and check up, check on the other floors. So the weird thing is about the schoolhouse is that it's it's kind of morphing, almost like how uh, was that Stephen King movie, uh, Red Rose? Was that what it was called? Yeah, Rose Matter. Uh, I think it was Red Rose, wasn't it? Maybe. About the haunted um, house that was, it was like a mansion that it would constantly change. Like you'd go through a door, and then when you go back through that door, it was like a different room. Yeah, so that's actually another question I have about this game. Is this place changing? I think so. I think it changed once, and then there was an elevator, and on the elevator there was a list of like seven floors or something, six floors probably. Yeah. So I think it changed once or twice, but now I I can't tell if it's changing because we're going to a different floor every time. Well, yeah, we're going to a different floor and I think, I I think basically what it is, is like, it's, it's opening up new areas for us to go to. And it's a weird mystery with the schoolhouse or like this place is ancient this looks like it was built here years and years ago, but we don't understand this technology that's here. This elevator, I don't even know how the fuck this thing works. You know, it, it, like I can't even tell you what's going on there yet. I'm sure we'll find out, but um, they still want us to keep exploring there. Uh, and yes, yeah, so, and the the second boss fight in that in the schoolhouse was a fucking nightmare. It was three of these freaking bosses, and they had this laser beam attack. Where it would hit, like, if you had two people standing next to each other, it was going to hit them both. Um, and if you had your entire party standing there, well, they're all going to get hit. And to, for me, when I fought them, it was about half of my life was gone in one attack. Yeah. Of each character. Have you, have you, um, have you attempted to grind at all in this game? Uh, not yet. I mean, as, a lot more in chapter three, you know, you do a lot of wandering around yeah. back and forth. So, you know, I, I've picked up a few extra fights here and there, but never like dedicated. I'm going to spend two or three hours grinding. Right. Um, well, do you, do you have any idea around about what level you are right now where you are in the game? Uh, I want to say 24 ish. Yeah. That sounds about right for where I was. Um, and the, one of the things I don't get is that, and what I do like about it, and what I was worried about was that. So I, I'm I'm in a field study with five people, right? And when I go into combat, only four people are participating. And I was wondering, I was hoping, um, what what they actually do is is that even those party members that aren't used in the battle still get experience points, and they do. They do. If somebody's KO'd, they don't. But but even then, I don't think that's true. Really? But there's certain times where I saw that somebody was, was basically killed in combat. They weren't killed. They're, they're, it's called KO. Um, but um, who, who fell in combat, 
and they wouldn't get experience points. But then there were some battles where they did get experience. It may just be boss fights because there's a the, the final boss fight of Chapter 3, I beat with one character still alive, but everybody still got experience for it. Mm. And I was like, okay, maybe it's just boss fights where everybody gets experience because you get a shit ton of experience. Unlike Super Mario RPG where you got like 20 experience points for beating a fucking boss, this game gives you a shit ton of experience when you beat a boss. Yeah, at least a full level, basically. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed to level up. And the cool thing is, is that also like in Diablo and stuff like that, when your character levels up, they automatically have their health restored and they automatically have their uh, magic points restored to full. So yeah. that, that helps out a lot, especially when grinding. So like what I do is not only am I grinding for levels sometimes, I'm also grinding just to get my CP up for the boss fight. So, you know, I will go and fight these little trash mob boss, uh, trash mob enemies and just use nothing but, you know, melee attacks and then get my CP up to maybe 180, 170, somewhere running there. So that after a few attacks, I can do my ultimate. So, um, and it makes it a lot easier to do. But yeah, after that, um, that's kind of the end of chapter two. Um, excuse me, I had to, <clears throat> I had to sneeze. Um, the the only thing that I can mention is that after this, Machias and Usus uh, kind of bond a little bit. Uh, they have a little bonding scene where Reen and um, and Usus uh, talk about their their families and how they actually feel about each each other's families and and stuff like that and their experiences. And you can tell that Reen and Usus kind of bonded right there. And Machias yep. was Machias was secretly listening in uh, on that conversation. And then Machias kind of comes to the realization that I guess Usus isn't that bad. He just he kind of hates his situation as much as Machias does. Yeah. You know, Usus to me comes off as like, I don't want to be a noble either. Yeah. Although I did love it when he called Machias out. He's like, what, did you overhear us last night and now you think we've bonded? Yeah. That, that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, after that... We get that cutscene. So we, we met a guy and it was like a store or something like that. And he used to be. A Jaeger. Was he a Jaeger or was he, he was some type of mercenary, but I don't think he was a Jaeger. But he, what else? I would say, I don't think he was a Jaeger. I don't remember. The, the, it was a it was a guy who who we talked to for a little while. He was real friendly to us, um, but at the end of the chapter, it shows the flamboyant guy that helped us out at the beginning of the chapter. Him, those two talking to each other, almost like they know each other. Um, and for the life of me, I can't remember. He was some type of a mercenary or guardian or something like that. The people used to of the town of the city used to call upon to help out with battles and stuff like that. I don't think he was a Jaeger though. Cause we're going to find out about Jaegers a little bit later. In fact, yeah. we, we find out now, um, uh, Reen, uh, t- 
tells everybody that he is actually from uh, he, he's from a noble family, but he was adopted. Um, to which that pissed off Machias. This is before they went on the second field study. It pissed off Machias. Machias was like, you fucking lied to me. And that can never be forgiven or whatever. Um, but yeah, Reen tells everybody, yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my dad's a baron, which is like the lowest of the low as far as nobility goes. And he's like, but you know, I was, I was adopted as a kid. You know, I, I don't, I don't consider myself a noble really kind of thing. Um, but anyway, um, after that, we go back to the schoolhouse, do all that stuff for the field or for the, uh, for the free day. Um, multiple requests, stuff like that. Um, See, this is the part for me where it really started sinking in. There's so many bullshit requests in this game. Oh yeah. And the, the, but the issue is, is in chapter three, especially where we go to, you have to travel there rather than hitting the square button and then go to a menu and say, I want to go here. And then just fast traveling there. And this one, you have to get on a fucking horse and drive there. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this is taking forever. But, um, pretty empty. Yeah. So, um, so starting in chapter three, um, there's a few things I do want to mention. Uh, during our free day, we do have to go back to the schoolhouse. Um, uh, we have our practical exam which um, is a little different. Um, so class one shows up and decides to challenge us to a fight. And Sarah's like, okay, this will be a good little exam for you guys. And so, uh, and I, apparently I chose every combination that was wrong. So like I had, I had Laura on my team. He's like, no, we can't have girls on our team. Yeah, me too. And then, uh, and then I was like, okay, well then I don't know who to choose. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah. So, um, they, they didn't want, uh, who was they? They didn't want uses. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. No uses. Yeah. No uses because he's, he's a noble. And so it was basically everybody who was not nobility. So, but Reen, um, Elliot, Elliot. Uh, Gaius, and um, Machias. Yeah. And we had to have a big fight, and it was, I kind of liked this moment. So we beat the shit out of these guys. They weren't difficult. I mean, well, I mean, they, they put up a little bit of a fight, but they weren't difficult. Um, but I like the ending, like, after we beat them, there's the, the leader of this class one who is all, the, like, class one is all nobles. They're not part of class. Obviously, they're separate from the class seven is separate from everything else. Every other class is separated by nobles and commoners, except for class seven, where they combine everybody. Um, and these are a bunch of noble douchebags. And the guy who's running the thing, um, he goes on a fucking tirade talking about how shitty commoners are how uh, we have no right to even be around and stuff like that. And it, it pissed a lot of people off, especially Machias, but including Eusus. And Eusus comes in, who is obviously, he he's like the son of a, he's basically a prince. 
He's one of the noblest of nobles. Yeah, he's one of the noblest of nobles. He tells him to keep his fucking trap shut because these people are my friends and they they are ten times better than you and it doesn't matter how noble you fucking are. Um, yeah. And I, I, I like that scene a lot because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, um, but it was, it was a really well done scene because it, it showed that everybody was kind of bonding together. The class seven was coming together as a team kind of thing. And yeah. Gaius comes up because Gaius doesn't understand any of this stuff. He comes from a different country. He comes from the Nord Highlands where they don't have class structures. You know, like we don't, I don't even know what the fuck a noble is basically. And he asked the guy, he's like, what, what makes you guys better than us? You know, he's like straight up. He's like, like and he's like, no, seriously, I, I, I don't know. Um, and you know, it, it was a really good little scene. I liked that a lot. Yeah, it's clearly a point that this game strives to make, you know, or, or strives to at least debate within within the world, you know, because uh, Reen even soon gets asked a similar question. Yeah. So, um, our next field study. Uh, there we're split up once again. Um, this time we have. Uh, Reen, Eusus, Emma, and Gaius, and Alyssa. Yep. Um, we are going to be sent none other than to the Nord Highlands, which is Gaius's hometown. Uh, and Gaius is really excited because he's he gets to go home and see his family, but on top of that, he knows kind of what's in store for us. He's like, yeah, they've kind of made arrangements and everything like that. We're going to be staying at my parents' place. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And, you know, we, we go all the way to the North Highlands, which is really far. Um, it's basically, it's in another country. I think, I think they said it was, what it was like a, a six hour train ride. Was that what it was? Eight. Eight hour train ride. So an eight hour train ride north. Um, and we go into another country. Uh, North Highlands are, are friendly to um, Erebonia, uh, the kingdom of Erebonia. Um, and they really, I mean, they go into like detail as far as like the history with the country and the guy who started Thor's military academy who used to be like the commanding officer of the army. And he built an army out of the North Highland guys and they helped out defeat some of the other you know, enemies and stuff. So, I mean, they, they go into deep detail about this stuff. Yeah. And this is one of the things that actually intrigues me the most about this game, knowing that it exists in the context of other games that take place in the same world is how much of this stuff is, is sort of Skyrim ish. Is there a game or might there be a game in the future that's set in basically in the Nord islands, exploring their history and maybe they travel to Erebonia. I mean, it very well could be. So, from what I understand um, through Jay, uh, the the series that came before Trails of Cold Steel, which was Trails in the Sky, um, it takes place in a different country, and they talk about Erebonia as a highly militaristic country where people could be very violent. They were basically looked at as bad guys. We don't need to go over there because, well, there there's a lot of bad guys over there. 
You know, yeah. we don't mess with these people because they're, they have a lot of technology. They're, you know, it's, they're, they're very class structured and stuff like that. And so, um, and then when they announced Trails of Cold Steel, you would be in Erebonius basically like, Oh, I'm going to get to see the other side of this. You know, I'm going to see these bad guys as they put it. And that's kind of, awesome. yeah, it, it does. That's, that's the thing. It's like it, and you, you kind of get to see their side of the story. You know, like that's just our custom. You know, it's not, we're not bad guys. It's just, you know, we, everybody likes the military around here. You know, we send our kids to military academies and stuff like that. So, so Carabonia uh, is American. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, um, so we go to the North Highlands, um, uh, and, um, we go through a, um, checkpoint, which is basically like this gigantic gate. Um, where, um, it basically separates the Nord Highlands from Erebonia. Starts with a Z. Yeah. Zender. Zender gate. Um, and so, uh, uh, there, there we meet up with a, um, a military commander. Uh, it was, who's actually a famous military commander, um, who actually became friends with Gaius, uh, while he was stationed there. And uh, while Gaius is still living there, in fact, that's how Gaius got into Thor's military academy was that he was recommended by this guy. Um, and he kind of makes arrangements for us to go to um, the uh, settlement where uh, Gaius's family is. Um, so uh, Gaius comes from a family of nomads. Uh, they don't stay in the same spot uh, more than like a year. Or it's like... Half of the year they're in this one spot, and the other half of the year they're in another spot, kind of thing. They 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 pick up and move constantly, and that's just their their tradition, their custom. Um, and so uh, we have to travel the Nord Highlands on horseback. So much like how we run around the world and go through dungeons and stuff, the Nord Highlands is basically like this gigantic dungeon. It's vast. It's it's huge. It's just like a big grassy hilly area where we have to ride horses and there's monsters there that we can we can attack and stuff like that we don't have to and they don't actually chase after us while we're on a horse which we can get off the horse and then uh, you know attack stuff that way too if we wanted to um and to begin with i thought oh this is really cool because it's something unlike we've seen in the game so far yeah. You know, I was like, I'm on a horse. I got this really cool music playing and it's, you know, it's kind of majestic kind of thing. Yeah. I can uh, see the wind blowing when you're running. Yeah. It, 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 it looked really cool. I mean, even for a PS3 game where the graphics aren't the greatest, this isn't the greatest graphically looking game I've ever seen, but I actually really, it's very colorful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I really liked the beginning of this part. Um, unfortunately, when we got to our field study and decided we had to go to different places to basically do our missions, traveling the Nord Highlands became a chore very quickly because it's huge and it takes forever to go from point A to point B on a horse. And there's a lot of the horses are very sensitive to getting near the rocks. And there's a lot of sometimes you run halfway across the map and you gotta you gotta take a little path 
they'll go down to the next level to get to the next area mm-hmm. and they just keep keep checking the map because I couldn't sort of I couldn't just say yeah I eyeball it I know it's over here yeah and uh you know sometimes I end up in a corner and it wasn't the corner I meant to be in a uh, turn around and I don't know. It, it, it wasn't bad. It, it, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just a bit cumbersome. Right. It took a bit too long. But yeah, when we make it to the settlement, we meet Gaius's family. Um, his uh, father is kind of like a, a upper chief. He's not the elder, but he's kind of like an upper chieftain of the uh, of the settlement. Um, and his mother's there, and he has uh, uh, a younger brother and two younger daughters or younger daughters, a younger brother and two younger sisters. Uh, and everybody kind of welcomes us with open arms. Um, and their hospitality is great. We get to see how Gaius lives and, um, where he came from. Um, and then, you know, Gaius's dad is actually giving us our, our basically our quests, for um for this field study. Um after doing the first day or or actually the first day is split up into two. So you do the morning stuff and then you do the afternoon stuff. Uh and the afternoon stuff we actually um have a bit of a little issue. Um the the settlement has a car. It has one car um that is used and unfortunately um, when we were coming back from finishing our field study stuff for the day, um, the man who was using the car had a wreck and, uh, the car's damaged or the truck's damaged. So we, uh, we've been told to go to the North part of the North Highlands to go find a mechanic. They know of a mechanic that's there. An old hermit. An old hermit who can fix pretty much anything. Uh, to which Alyssa is like, what? I it, That sounds familiar. Wait a damn minute. Yeah. Um, and when we travel there, it kind of find out it's actually Alyssa's grandfather. Um, Alyssa Reinford, I should mention. We learned this um, during our free day, our last free day. Alyssa is, comes from, it's not necessarily a noble um, family. It comes from a very wealthy family who think of it like the Starks from the Marvel comics. They originally started making, um, technology, uh, which then eventually became, we're now a weapons manufacturer. And that's where they made a lot of their money. Her mother actually runs the company. Now her grandfather used to, so her mother's father used to own the company. Uh, then he left um, for reasons that we don't know yet. Um, I, I mean, I know yet, but but we I don't think you got there yet, Matt. Um, and we actually run into Alyssa's mother as well because what happened was Alyssa's mom uh, sent a maid, her own personal maid, to Thor's military academy to take care of Class Seven. Basically, cook meals for us and be her, their, be their maid. Alyssa can't stand this idea. She can't get away from her mom. Her mom's always there, always breathing down her neck, always wanting to help people, and and like basically babying me. I don't need to be babied anymore. 
Which is one of the reasons why Alyssa, she comes out and says, I ran away from home and wanted to do my own thing. And that's when I decided to enlist in Thor's military academy. Um, unfortunately, and what she didn't know was, was that when we run into her mother at a train station while going to the North Highlands, she's actually one of the board of directors. So she knows who comes in and out of the school. When she found out her daughter had enrolled there, well, she sent her maid. But her mom is like strictly business. She doesn't, she's like, how are you doing? I'm all right. Okay. All right. Well, I got to go. I got a meeting to go to kind of thing. And she's like, really? That's, that's all you're going to say to me? You haven't seen me in like three months and you're just going to just business as usual? Kind of thing. So everybody has a rocky relationships with their family, seems like, except for Gaius. So, um, but Alyssa gets on my fucking nerves. I'll just put it that way. She's always complaining. She's always yelling. She's always, you know, why has it got to be this way? You know, kind of thing. And I was like, oh my God, shut up. Yeah. I mean, I gave her some slack in the beginning because even though she was annoying and really held that grudge, you know, it seems like it was clearly like her defense mechanism. In that, you know, maybe she felt more than she thought she wanted to, and that's why she got angry at Reen. So, you know, I, I kind of gave her some slack in the beginning because she was being annoying, but it was sort of still she didn't really know how to process her feelings. Right. But since then, she's just continued to be annoying with less and less justification for it. Yeah. She's everybody. Everybody's got a chip on their friggin' shoulder. She she definitely does. She wants to get away from her mother, and her mom just keeps showing up. And she's like, "I don't, I don't want to do anything." And I'm just like, "Let's just shut up and come on." You know, the bad thing is, and the thing that gets on my nerves the most is that this game is playing this off like Reen should get with her. You know, they should date yeah. kind of thing. And I'm just like, "Stop pushing this," because I don't like well, this character. I mean, in my opinion, the grandfather also wanted to get with her. <sighs> Was he not a little? A little creepy. It was creepy as shit. Talking, Talking about, about her, like her, her nice lips and she's real easy on the eyes. I'm like, that's your granddaughter. That was so weird. It's so fucking weird. And um, then he's like, and he's like, he knew all about what happened, and he's like, oh, tell me all the juicy details. Yeah. What the fuck? I don't know. That's weird, but yeah. Batteries out in exile. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, we then take Kim to fix the car. Uh, and that's where you stopped, Matt? Yeah, he's in the process of fixing it where I stopped. Gotcha. Well, something actually big happens uh, later on that night. So after that, we have like a big party. Um, and he's there. And then that guy, the photographer guy that we had to rescue is there or escort is there. And all the family members of guys are there and everybody's having this big kind of like grand festival party in the, uh, in the settlement. And then something big happens because, um, I won't say what it is. We'll save that for next time, but it kind of sparks something even bigger. Like, like we, we start getting some answers. Um, in this chapter, I feel like we're still setting up here 20 odd hours in and we're still getting started. Yeah, no, no, we, we, we get at the end of this chapter, you, 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 we actually meet one of the main villains 
of the game. I, I assume is one of the main villains of the game. He maybe just be a henchman of the main villain, but we, we get to meet that. So, um, but yeah, we're going to stop right there. I think we covered a pretty good amount. I think we did a pretty good job considering we, we haven't talked about this game in a month, but I have been continuously playing it. And truth be told, I'm enjoying the crap out of it. Like, like I said, I saw your tweet where you said it would have been in your top five games of last year. Absolutely. The, uh, at all, well, you know, it, as cliche as some of the story beats are, I just I find it really endearing. You know, basically, you take this group of ragtag heroes and throw them into a a, a, a room together and see what what happens, um, and how everybody kind of bonds together. I like that about this game. I like how everybody comes from a different background. You know, some people are straight up completely like a fucking prince. Basically, is right up there with a guy who's who's a nomad. You know, and they're they're kind of bonding together. And you know, I don't know. It, the, yeah, there's a lot of cliche characters in there. Um, I mean, I really like that concept part of it. But for me, for that to work, the translation has got to be spot on. And for me, some parts I think are genuinely well well written but so much of the dialogue is just so clunky a lot of the dialogue is just throwaway like it, it's either setting up to nothing setting up to something that's that we haven't seen yet or it's just inconsequential you know the the story beats that we do get usually happens at the end of a field study yeah. the, the, from from free day to field study nothing happens really but yeah it, but I, I like their their interactions with each other, like some of them just come off so awkward, and not like awkward because they're awkward people, but awkward because because it just is very stilted language, mm. and that that for me is the thing that's that's keeping me from really really investing in the characters because so often they don't come off as characters to me; they come off as game characters instead of people. Mm. There was one of the yeah, but go ahead. Like I get really nice snippets of the personality, <clears throat> and uh, you know, like like the night that Eustace and Reen were talking was really nice. And there's just been hints, you know, spread out throughout the whole game that I like, but in and amongst a bunch of other dialogue, and I, I feel like I I, I shouldn't I shouldn't really care, you know, poor translation is not that big a deal in, in the scheme of things, and maybe it's not even that bad. But I, I feel like it, it's it's keeping me from getting invested in the characters as much as I want to be. Hmm. Coupled with the fact that I feel like everything is, I feel like we played about three hours or four hours of game, and it's it's taken me twenty five to get through it. Yeah, this it feels like a lot of busy work to get to about twenty minutes of story. That's that's what it feels like to me. Um, yeah, it, it, there is a lot of padding in there. It feels like. Um, but I don't know. I like for some reason when I sit down to play Trails of Cold Steel, I, I'll end up playing like two to three hours of it at a time. Yeah, and I'm just like, because I like I said, I get into that groove of okay, I'm gonna grind a little bit here. All right, level up, level up. All right, let's do this, 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 and it's kind of like just a beat after beat kind of thing. Um, and sometimes I get that way with games. I don't know, and I I like the character. I like Reen a lot. Reen feels like the voice of reason for pretty much the entire group. But at the same time, he has no idea what he's doing. He's just, you know, he's like, I, I give it a shot, you know, kind of thing. 
and just yeah, but he has a good heart kind of thing. Uh, the one other thing I did forget to mention was that we learned out what Fee was because we found out you know she was really good at at shit. She was really good at killing shit for one thing. She also knew a lot of th- a lot of things about weapons and different types of um, uh, technology that most military people would know about. And uh, she eventually comes out and says that she used to be a Jaeger, which is what I brought up uh, earlier. And Jaegers are basically like these elite mercenaries. They're actually not part of a military. They sometimes can be contracted out through the military. Uh, but Jaegers are basically these elite soldiers who basically work for themselves. And she used to be a, a Jaeger. She came from a family of Jaegers. And that's why she knows a lot about all this stuff. Now, because of that, her and Laura don't get along now. And we don't exactly know why. I don't even know why. And I've, you know, I've, I've made it farther than you have, Matt. And all I know is Fee and Laura are having issues together. Fee's kind of just standing there, and Laura's like, I don't like this girl now. Yeah. Now that, she, that I know that she's a Jaeger. So she, obviously she's had some kind of something with Jaegers in the past that she doesn't like. So... But I haven't had Laura in my party for two field studies, so I have no idea. Yeah, I like Laura too. That sword I, is impressive, dude. Yeah, no. When when you get her and Reen combat linked together, that's fucking unstoppable. Like my combat links are like for the last two chapters was Reen and Usus, and then whoever Gaius is. Gaius is a fucking he's a tank, man. Yeah. Gaius, Gaius can like fucking take a beating, and then also his super does some hellacious damage. Like I, and plus I like how his super looks. He like he jumps into the air with his spear, and like kind of explodes, and like angel wings show up for a second. Yeah, and then he comes slamming down with this fucking spear. That's awesome. I was like, that's that's really cool looking. Yeah, you know, Usus is kind of dumb. He just pulls out his sword and does like a little engraving in the air and then stabs real quick and then slashes. I'm like, come on, that's stupid. Yeah. Puts a little dome over him. Yeah. But anyway, we do have an email. We're almost done. But we do have an email. Our email comes from somebody you may have heard of before. His name's Jay Lee. Um, he wanted to email us to to basically tell us all about this game. It says, hey guys. Just listen to the first episode covering Trials of Cold Steel. Great to see you guys are enjoying it so far. I especially had fun listening to your descriptions and predictions about the characters. I had a grin on my face when you guys were talking about where they might be taking the characters, knowing exactly where things are headed. I won't get into any specifics, but I'll say this is a game that doesn't cut any corners when it comes to developing its world and characters, so expect plenty of revelations along the way. Personally, when I began playing, I actively disliked half the cast, but by the time the credits rolled, I liked all of them in their own way. But let, let's step it back for a minute and uh, set the stage for the series itself. This is the 11th game in the Legend of Heroes series. Jesus. Yeah. And a continuation of the same world that has been built up in the course of several previous entries. Uh, Many of the heroes and villains of old have passed into legend and are now stories to be told, some as inspirations to drive the youth and others as cautionary tales to those with too much ambition and not enough sense. 
Each series has focused on a particular country on the continent where the player is able to see the inner workings of the politics and motivations that drive that particular nation. The country is the country this arc takes place is Arabonia, uh, which has always been a superpower and known for its military might above all else. It's a nation that's been at odds with other countries countless times and has been thought to be a big empire that committed many atrocities and one that is threatening the peace across the land. It would not be a stretch to call it a parallel to perception many foreigners have for America. Yep. However, I would wager that this image of America, I mean Erebonia, wasn't so readily apparent from experiencing the everyday lives of some of the students until you realize that they actually enrolled into a military academy with combat training as one of the pillars of education. Uh, there are many characters in Cold Steel that were first introduced as NPCs and, uh, and one even as a playable character in previous entries. So when you get introduced to someone of renown, you can probably assume that they had some part to play before. I think proper I think proper world building is crucial to the development of the story and especially when it comes to one that involves many real issues like racism, class disparity, forced diplomacy and many others. The Legend of Heroes series has been building this one world well over a decade, spanning multiple entries, yet there's still so much more left to be explored. Suffice it to say, it's a series with quite the history and prestige, and I'm ecstatic that it's finally starting to get the spotlight it deserves in the States. On that note, I'll address some of the questions you had about the leveling concerns. <clears throat> the characters that you get after you, after you don't use them do sometimes start at lower levels, but they do level up enough to make them perfectly suitable for handling missions level, uh, you're on. Also, the way experience leveling system works in this game, characters that are fighting enemies that are higher level than them end up getting more experience, exponentially increasing their levels to get them fighting shape very, very quickly. You never have to grind a single time to beat the game because of, because of this fact, um, but I would wager that you'll want to um, sometimes just so you can level up those master courts, which unlock some incredibly powerful effects as they get higher levels. Many max level Master Quartz properties often being game changers on how combat is handled. Also, cross save works very well on the PS3 and Vita versions, and it all requires you uh, all it requires you to do is upload your save uh, data using cross save option, and you can grab it from the cloud uh, from your other platform and continue exactly where you left off without any issues. Um, so here, as you guys continue, you will undertake the grand tour of Erebonia where you visit basically every location of significance in this huge continent, which ties into particular characters, which ties into a particular character or two, where you will learn about their upbringing, meet their family and friends, and just see exactly what made them the person that they are. In turn, by traveling and seeing the world, the characters themselves begin to change. Just as Mark Twain once said, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. Wow, well said, Jay. Yeah, good quote, good point. And I Thank think it's interesting about interesting about the cross save because 
and you know as a concept it sounds great but without the cloud to make it easy it's almost too clunky for me mm-hmm. but i like the idea that you can just upload it from the game to the cloud and you don't need to hook your vita up to anything you don't need to you, know, you don't need to transfer anything it just sort of does it that i think that's a nice a nice sort of like level 2 cross save yeah i've always been like like that right there is fantastic. If you can, if you can take like a fucking forty-hour RPG, I can play it on my Vita for like ten hours, and then put it up in the cloud, and then go to my PS3, and ha- I have if I have a copy of the game. So that's the problem you have to have another copy of the game. Um, yeah. But if I had a copy of the game on my PS3, download it from there, and start right back where I started from, dude. That's some fucking like next level technology shit that I had never thought of ten years ago. You, I would be like, that can't ever fucking happen. Yeah, like the first time, first time Netflix did that, you know, I can be like, it's literally common practice. I don't even think about it that I can be watching a movie downstairs, turn off my device, go upstairs, and pick up it right where I left off. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. This is sort of, you know, it it, it makes it easy enough that it's almost like that, which is just really cool. Yeah, gives that flexibility. Absolutely. But yeah, thank you, Jay, for that email. I hope you were are going to email us after listening to this episode. I would like to hear your thoughts on certain things, or if you would like to tell us about Trails in the Sky. Um, I know you played those games, and I'm just curious what they looked like and how they kind of played. Um, but yeah, anybody else out there who is listening who would like to uh, send us an email, my email is drew at ztgd.com. I'll read it out on the show. We'd love your input. Definitely let us know. Uh, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I think I think next time we record, I would really like to, to talk about, and I'm going to tr- really try and spend some time with the Quartz yeah. And because it, it's something that I've tried to do a little bit, but have not gotten anywhere. Like I feel like every time I try to switch a quartz in, I'm like, oh, apparently I don't have any. Well, you, you, you can find them. You can also buy some master quartz. I found one master quartz that I actually switched to Gaius. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I think it was Ares. I think it was what it was called. I can't remember, though. Um, I've experiment, experimented a little bit with it. The thing is, is that I found that I have found a a set that works for me and have not messed around with it since. You know, um, yeah. I'm not I'm not technically wrecking stuff, but I'm still doing pretty well. Um, like the last, chapter three boss fights, there's two of them. Just FYI, spoiler alert: there's two boss fights. Um, I actually didn't die. Like I didn't get the game over thing where I had to choose to start the battle over and i was like okay i feel fucking accomplished right here because i've done something i like i didn't i didn't screw up i was doing my strategy and that was when i started doing the strategies of really digging into the whole okay i need to work on my buffs i need to buff up my guys i need to bring this guy back to life i need to put debuffs on him you know it's it's like that that right there was when i was like yes this game is this combat there's a lot more of this combat than what i'm thinking 
other than yeah. let me bring my attack up. No, it's like, okay, I need to bring my attack up for this many turns. Then you got to worry about, okay, well, that guy's charging up a magic attack. I need to use a art or a, a craft that can interrupt his magic charging. You know, it, it's, it's crazy because looking on the left side of that screen and seeing the order, the turn order and stuff like that is very important when it comes to that stuff because you can knock people out of that turn order. And on top of that, there's different things. So you'll see like, oh, this one has a critical. So the, like this this turn order right here, this person has a critical. If I can push him down, Gaius gets the critical instead of him, you know, kind of thing. So you use that stuff to your advantage. And later on, you're going to run into dungeons where not only is it critical hit or more crystals will drop and stuff like that, you can put status effects on guys. Depending on the turn order, you can do a death blow, which is an immediate kill, depending on the turn order. And it, th that can go either way. So if a villain, if a bad guy has death blow, he can kill one of my guys in one hit. But if I can knock him down the turn order by using a special ability, then Reen gets the death blow. Dude, that shit gets complex, man. Yeah, that's that, pretty awesome. It, and it actually, it they they actually give you a small tutorial when you go into that dungeon in chapter three, um, and it's it's actually like that's when I was like, wow, this is there's a lot more to this game than just you know choosing attack or magic. So it was it, like I was like, okay, I'm I'm down for this. So yeah, maybe maybe you haven't hit that point yet where you're like, okay, I'm 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 ready for this game kind of thing because we're still yeah. learning, we're still learning stuff. I mean, I hate to say it. We're 20 hours in. We're still learning stuff. Yeah, that coupled with sort of the fact that we have equipable, like, armor and clothing and weapons, but I, I, I haven't found any and I haven't bought any. Buy it. I'm telling you. Have I not just got to that point yet? or No, no. You can, you can buy them in towns and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's also crafting. I've created some better swords for Reen and like uh, Laura and stuff like that. Yeah, I just finally got my U material. I think right, not not too long ago in the game. Yeah, would well, you get them after a boss fight? I think. So, but yeah, that's it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Um, we will be back maybe next week. Hopefully, I can do next week. I can't do the week after, but I can do next week. Um, with uh, more trails of cold still but until then I am Drew and I'm Matt and we're out of here hope you guys have a great week and try to stay cool out there man it's hot but um, we'll be back next week with some more trails of cold steel